Here we go. You are listening to Rumination Thursday on Law and Gospel on this October the 13th in the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and it's year 2022. Is it not, Pastor? I thought that was a trick question you were going to ask. 2022, huh? Yes. That's Pastor Wes Reimnitz, who's going to be helping us today in our program. But, boy, it just is going so fast. We're already in October. Oh. Christmas is almost here. Why is it going so fast? I don't know. I guess when you're, you're engaged in various things like law and gospel uh, and proclaiming it to the world around us, as you serve four congregations, uh, it goes quickly. Yes, there's busy, busy, busy. I'm on the air seven times a week. I have four congregations that I preach to each week. And then, of course, we have newsletters we're putting out. And uh, by the way, that reminds me, we have begun a new newsletter called Law and Gospel Foundation. It's a free newsletter, and it really provides you some information and also uh, provides some books that are able to be bought at a reduced price. In fact, you know, we put out a, a book recently about over 200 passages of the Old Testament that are promises and fulfilled in the New Testament. Well, guess what? We've kind of run out of those, and so we're going to be doing the second printing. It's $15 a book, two books for $25, and three and above, above books for $10 each. You just send me an email with your name and address on it. Don't send me any money. And we'll send you the books. And when you get the books, there'll be a bill in there. We pay postage and handling. And uh, we hope that more people will get this book about the prophecies of the Old Testament that are fulfilled by Jesus Christ in the New Testament. It helps you to understand the purpose of the Bible better. And how do they sign up for your newsletter? Uh, they just send uh, to the email address law and gospel at law and gospel one oh one dot com. That that's the email that we're using. So law and gospel at law and gospel one zero one dot com. But let's get on to the subject for today. It is an email about a survey that reveals what teens think of Jesus uh, throughout the world. And it's really important. The questions were asked to 25,000 teens in 26 countries. And the article indicates that they got encouraging answers. Now, normally we think that teens don't believe the Bible very much. That's because they're not coming to church, a lot of them. And so 
This survey, though, does give an indication of what teens uh, believe. Yes, it does. And uh, I think as you go through this, you're going to find a lot of good things that it says about what teens think of Jesus. But we're also going to find out that uh, there's something very much missing from the article about Jesus. And what's that? Oh, you got to get into the survey first. Okay. That's so kind of the... The survey indicates it's rare that teens think poorly of Jesus. Most of them have a positive reception of him. And then they give these stats. 49% of teens, teens describe Jesus as loving. 46% believe he offers hope. And 43% say he cares about people. Now, as soon as I read that, I saw something else in it. It meant that 51% of teens do not describe Jesus as loving. 54% do not believe he offers hope. And 57% says he doesn't care about people. And what else is missing? Go ahead. Jesus as Savior. The scriptures from Genesis all the way through Revelation talk about a savior of mankind, and that, of course, being Jesus. And uh, you won't find that in the survey anywhere. Yes. See, it all depends what teens mean by Jesus as being loving. For example, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. But how else can you think that Jesus is loving apart from his crucifixion? Well, uh, in John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. We find Jesus, and we find salvation. Or you look in in, uh, Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in anyone nor is there any other name under given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the, is, is the loving one who takes care of us. Are, are you saying then the teens that think Jesus is loving believe those passages? Well, that's, you know, without the questions of the survey, it's kind of hard. I agree yes. with you that that uh, very much they may see God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that that may be the, the loving that they're talking about. But they can also consider him loving because he does miracles in healing people. Mm-hmm. He gives people food, etc. And so that's not the love that the Bible is talking about primarily in regard to our salvation. It's more temporal items. And and I would agree with that. And of course, without going into death, we don't know what what their catechization was in their, their parishes. 
uh, how was they taught, how, how did the parents bring them to church and things of that nature. Right. They do give some percentages about him being detached from today's issues or that he's judgmental. What were those percentages? Well, 8% says that he's detached from today's real issues. 7% believe he's judgmental. 6% believe that he's irreverent. And 4% says he's hypocritical. So they're very low. 6% was that he's irrelevant, not irreverent. (laughs) Yes. And therefore, he is not relevant to their lives. But that's only 6% of the 25,000 teens in 26 countries. Now, that's pretty low. And and yet we see a lot of millennials that are leaving the church. Why are they leaving the church, do you think? Because they don't see, they're not, they're not hearing the gospel. Yes. No, they're not hearing about forgiveness that's one in, in Jesus Christ. They're, they're talked about go out and live a good life, love one another, and not a love that's grounded in, in uh, Jesus himself. Yes, 38% believe that the Bible teaches about living a meaningful life. And 36% said the Bible helps them understand their purpose in life. And 34% said it helps them to live wisely in today's society. Now, that's what we're talking about on Wednesdays with the book of Proverbs because that's what Proverbs is really talking about. What is a meaningful life? Also, what's your purpose in life? And also Mm -hmm. to live wisely in today's society. But there are a lot of teens that don't agree with that. Yeah. uh, You know, Confucius say, you know, many, many meaningful things. And do they put that up against uh, uh, a Confucius sort of philosophy or uh, Aristotelian philosophy? Or are they talking about Jesus as, as the real help? Yes. Now, the survey does distinguish between Bible-engaged teens uh, and those that are not really engaged that much in the Bible. And the percentages there are almost double. 84% of those Bible believers believe Jesus talks about a meaningful life. What does that mean? Well, a uh, meaningful life is, is a life not but live for yourself, but live for others. Yes, yes. And understanding their purpose and living wisely in society. What word do we use when we talk about the purpose of a person? It starts with a V, and it sounds like vocation, but it's not. (laughs) uh, Their vocation, what's their vocation in life? And what does that mean, vocation? Their purpose, their being, their, their... 
life work? Yes, it comes from the Latin vocara, which means to call. And we're doing a Bible study uh, about Jeremiah this week, that he was called to be a prophet before he was born. How's that possible? What does that mean? Well, uh, in in uh, well, Ephesians 1, where it talks about before the foundation of the world, he knew us, and he knew, knew who we were, and uh, he was already calling us into to our, our uh, vocation, our life calling. Yes. Now, you have about eight vocations. You're a father, uh, you're a husband, you're a son, uh, you're a pastor, you're a citizen, and each of those vocations really make a difference in your responsibilities. And so that was good to see that Bible-engaged teens worldwide believe the Bible teaches about living a meaningful life, 84%, and helps them to understand their purpose, 84%, and live wisely in society, 80%. So what does that tell the church and parents? Well, that the Bible-engaged teens refer to those with a high view of Bible. They, they believe it is the Word of God, the inspired Word of God has no errors, or inspired Word of God, but with some errors, and read the Bible several times a week. Yes, there are teens who believe Jesus is their Savior, but because of the public school kind of teaching, they believe in evolution also. And so therefore, mm -hmm. they would say there are errors in the Bible, and yet they still believe that the Bible is the Word of God, and that evolution and other things are kind of mythical, that they were made up by the writers of the Bible to make a point. And so that's a big difference. That's why when I, I put a big X on that paragraph, and went back to the Catechism, and, and we we teach in our confirmation, what do we confess when I believe in Jesus Christ? It means I know and trust in Jesus as my only Savior from sin, death, and the devil, and believe that he gives me eternal life. For instance, John 17, this is eternal life that you may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Or Second Timothy 1, I know that I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. So, I mean, there's many more passages that we could we could talk about. So if they're Bible-engaged, you know, uh, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more clear understanding as Jesus as Savior. Yes, and in fact, when you go over the Bible verses you just mentioned, every one of them is a promise from God. It's not that we believe in Jesus Christ because of what happened historically, but the promise is connected to that true history 
is what is proper faith. And therefore, this is a good law and gospel distinction. When we believe in Jesus, that does not mean that we believe we're saved because we do good works. We believe we're saved because Jesus has done a good work in our place. And that's what you call what objective justification? Yes. That when he died, he paid for the sins of everyone, even the sins of unbelievers. But to receive that, there needs to be faith on the part of the person so that they trust that that promises that they are for them. And that's where a lot of people in the world don't have that trust. And therein lies, like I said, that we teach from the catechism with meaning. It means that I know and trust in Jesus Christ as my only Savior from sin, death, and the devil, and believe that he gives me eternal life. Yes. They show another group of percentages that the Bible motivates 42% of them to make a positive impact on other lives. 44% motivates them to take care of people who need help. 42% motivates them to promote fairness and justice. And 36% that it motivates them to stand up against the wrongdoings of others. Now, if you examine each of those, those are really the secular purposes of a Christian. They are not the spiritual results of faith in Jesus Christ. Well, could you say that they were part of their sanctified life, their holy life? But it's a sanctified life apart, as you have just noted, apart from believing that Jesus is their Savior. It's a sanctified life where they look to Jesus maybe as a good example as to how they are to live, but not as Savior. Remember, it took the disciples all the way to the resurrection before one of them, namely Thomas, recognized that Jesus was God. And so that's important to remember. For a long time, the disciples thought he was a really wise man and powerful because of his miracles. But remember when they were on the boat and there was a big storm and Jesus calmed the waters? What was the question of the disciples? <laughs> Who is this who can make the, the, the storms and the seas and the waters to calm? Yes. Even though they knew in the Old Testament that every time something like that happened, it was God who was doing it, not just a human being. And yet they still didn't recognize Jesus as God uh, until the resurrection. Mm -hmm. Big difference. So... Well, they, they seem to think that this, this survey helps us to understand it in the present and prepare the future, especially when we study young people as they reshape, reshape the world. But we thought that about the nuns, didn't we? 
And what do you mean by the nuns? Well, the nuns were N-O-N-E-S and didn't have a particular denomination that they belonged to, but claimed to have some kind of faith in, in God. And we're not seeing, I, I think, as positive results from, from their living. Yes. But if these percentages are correct, and 36 uh, or 38 percent agree that the Bible teaches about living a meaningful life, I think that's an opportunity for the church to share with the teens why it is a meaningful life because of the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ and to go through the promises connected to those events. Those promises are found in Luther's small catechism. And of course, there's always that quote of St. Paul from 2 Timothy 3 to, to Timothy, as you continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you have learned it and how with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness that the man of God be complete, completely equipped for every good deed. So it's a reminder that, you know, those that are reading it, are finding some of the things that we've been talking about in the survey. Yes. And what is important, Paul says, is what Timothy has learned from the Word of God. And that was taught to him by the Apostle Paul. And isn't that the task of today's pastors? Right. Well, that's the task of pastors. But but, uh, Timothy also had a mother and a grandmother that uh, took time to teach him the word. Yes, Paul even mentions them. And so even the laity have a way of reaching out to young people by sharing with them the true meaning of why the Bible is meaningful to them or why they have a purpose in life and how to help them live wisely in today's society. So that's kind of important. I, and I, I think it's, it's, it's important then to, to bring up not just only that we bring our, our children or our young adults to the church and uh, to the worship service and receive there the Word of God and, and baptism and Lord's Supper, but also that uh, our pastors teach them the proper use of law and gospel and the sermons and in our Bible schools and in our Sunday schools. Yes. Sunday school teachers need to recognize that they have a wonderful opportunity to help these students really understand the meaning of life and move them to a high view of the Bible, namely the inspired word of God with no errors. And that can happen not only in the Sunday school, but by having the youth read the Bible 
uh, during the week. In fact, isn't that kind of what the seminary is all about? That professors give you assignments to read the Bible, to answer questions? Oh, yeah. It kind of reminds me of the time I said to, to some guys in, in our dorm, I said, they've given us something to, to really look at and to study. And they said, you don't take it as the truth. I said, they gave it gave us the, the, the passages to study and come to a realization that it is the Word of God and not to trust everything that they themselves have, have said. Yes. Now, this survey was done to teens ages 13 to 17, and they were from the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, four countries in Latin America, eight European countries, six countries in Asia, and four African nations. And it was concluded in February of 2022. That was just a few months ago. And it was part of an open generation project to help church leaders better understand teenagers around the world. Because once you recognize that many of them do have somewhat positive attitudes towards Jesus, you can then take that understanding and translate it into salvation. That's really why Jesus is so important and meaningful in your life. Because it not only is going to make a difference on earth, but also in heaven. I think that's positive, and that's exactly what happened with the disciples, wasn't it? That they they studied the Word, and finally it opened up their hearts to see Him as the Savior. Excellent conclusion. And that's a survey that was found to be a little encouraging, helping the church to understand more about the feelings of teens. I'm Tom Baker, and you are hearing also from Wes Reimnitz on Tomorrow's Law and Gospel. You can email if you have a question. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.